0: The same things that motivate people, the underlying values that drive us to do things and want to do things are still the same as they were. Mm. The only question is, what has changed about how we're actually going to deliver these? How are we going to set these conditions?
1: Welcome to the Strategy and Leadership Podcast, the podcast that brings you practical advice, lessons, and stories from senior leaders and thought leaders from around the world. The Strategy and Leadership Podcast is brought to you by SME Strategy, working with organizations around the world to create and implement their strategic plans. To learn more, visit smestrategy.net. And now, your host, Anthony Taylor.
2: Hello, bonjour. Welcome to today's episode of the Strategy and Leadership Podcast. Today, I am joined by Brad Paris, PhD, who is currently a professor at Achersey Paris. So I won't do the interview in French, but we could. But Brad, how's it going today? 8 p.m. Paris time.
0: Uh, Life is good. Um, It's beautiful day, a little bit of rain, but it's it's cool outside. It's beautiful. It's Paris. And one of us could do the interview in French. The other one couldn't. And that would be me.
2: Thanks for having me, Anthony. It's my sincere pleasure. Yes. For those, bonjour tout le monde en France, bonjour tout le monde à Marseille, and anybody else who speaks French in Canada, which is where I'm calling from. So Brad, tell our listeners a little bit about who you are, your body of work, uh, and we'll go from there.
0: Yeah, sure. So I'm a professor through and through. I love this job. I research things on management, human resources, team dynamics. I teach on those same topics and my passion is helping people grow. So I I went through a long journey to get here. And what I realized along that journey, there's probably three big things. One, I don't like normal jobs. I love flexibility and autonomy. So being an academic is good for that. Two, I have a little bit of a skeptical, maybe even cynical edge. That's also good for this job. And three, like everything that I was truly motivated to do on my career journey were things like be a teacher, be a basketball coach, be a youth minister. And so it took me a while, but I finally found this gig. And like I said before, I am so motivated just to help people grow and get past their challenges and reach their full potential body of work. I studied teams, leadership, human resources. I came to you, Anthony, because of a recent book called *Scaling for Success* that I co-wrote with Andrew Bartlow, and uh, that brings us to where we're here right now.
2: See. I love that. I love the passion. I love sharing, hearing what you're doing. And, and it's cool that you're giving a contribution to a whole new uh, set of people. And then for those of you that don't know, Andrew was a guest on our podcast previously. I enjoyed the conversation so much. So nice. Let's do it twice. Brad, one of the things that I've always prided myself on was uh, a hypothesis. The hypothesis that I had 10 years ago was that there's going to be senior leaders old gray hair folks that are going to be vacating their positions that they've held in leadership for 10, 20, 30, 40 years. And it was going to create a gap in the marketplace where people who are technically good but have no management or leadership training. Now, in 2022, the world of management is quickly evolving, Uh, working from home, benefits, what people are wanting out of their work-life balance. What are you seeing in the world of management right now? And then what do you see in the future of management that either excites you or makes you a little bit apprehensive?
0: Yeah, great question, man. So your hypothesis, are you telling me that you've done all the work and and your hypothesis is supported here? Is that your your presumption? I believe so.
2: I got got a paycheck too, and people are coming to me with that exact problem. So uh, I think I was right.
0: Yeah, well, so leadership has always been hard. And I would I venture to say, like maybe we've got some some boomers and that generation leaving the the workforce. So we might have some macro trends that suggest like we have more transition points right now. But th- these things have always been a little bit difficult. They are increasingly difficult now that the world is kind of turned upside down. And we, you know, we did the COVID thing, we did the pandemic, we made it through, kind of banged up. Now we're, we're, now we're negotiating, should we, should we go back, quite literally, or should we kind of double down on this thing? Uh, I am not one to speculate on the future of work. Um, the only thing I'm confident about in the future of work is that it will be full of buzzwords. That said, I do have some hypotheses of my own. And maybe I don't think easy is the right word for this, but I think there might be some simple axioms that I would feel really confident endorsing. And that is the same things that motivate people, the underlying values that drive us to do things and want to do things are still the same as they were. Mm. The only question is what has changed about how we're actually going to deliver these, how we're going to set these conditions. And so what things am I talking about? I'm talking about autonomy, impact, having enriching relationships at work. And then this idea, I think uh, Daniel Pink described it as mastery. I've heard it similarly described as craftsmanship, this ability that we can get really good at something and take pride in it. So all of these fundamental things are still there. And if you can, if you can have the time, you can force yourself to kind of go through the exercise of saying, how am I allowing my people or myself even to kind of tap into each one of these things? You've got to leg up. Uh, the tools will change, the words will change, but those underlying things—they're ah, probably going to be pretty slow to change.
2: Understood. Is that what you're teaching, folks, at Asha now, or what is the the core of the curriculum that you're you're delivering or programs or what have you?
0: Yeah, uh, that's that's a big part of what I'm teaching them, and, and I've got people that are kind of junior MBA, So they've been out a few years, they come back. I've got executive MBAs. We do private executive education with people that are in the C-suite right now. Um, I've got some coaching business. I run a, an accelerator for HR executives. We are talking about these things. I would say what we're talking about a little bit more uh, right now is things like how do we empower our workforce to be agile, to be adaptable? We're, we're, we are spending some time, like how do we negotiate these things that we don't know where we're going to land? Like we know we might want to be back in the office two or three days a week. Uh, We're not sure. We've got this new term. I I think the phenomenon itself might not be all that new, but quiet quitting is everywhere. So we're spending a lot of time talking about these sorts of things. And how do we get past that in some way that's true to our values? And it's something we can actually afford as a business. Mm.
2: Uh, One of the interesting things. So I I had a question around, are the problems, challenges between your senior executives the same as the folks in the junior and uh, junior MBA minus, you know, either several years of being jaded or uh, an entitlement to say, hey, I know better. (laughs) What's the difference between the two people? groups. Uh, yeah, we get some variance there.
0: You know, the people that are living through it right now that they're at the top, I think they're kind of on their knees saying, okay, I get it. Like what got us here won't get us there. They have totally bought into the Marshall Goldsmith thing. Uh, so they are open to feedback and they're open to feedback about their business. Uh, and they have the kind of the typical defensiveness. Like we've always done it this way. We're really, really smart and they are, but they, and they're open to feedback. And change kind of individually they're seeing like cracks in their own armor like i can't i could do it for a year i could do it for two years but fine at year three or four of whatever we've been going through i need some help i need to do something different (laughs) now the the younger crowd the people that really haven't lived this from the top like they see this differently i think some of the solutions are going to come from this group because they they know what works and what doesn't um, but the big, we spend a lot of time, or I spend a lot of time trying to build up some empathy. Like, you know, it may look like your CEO is sort of a moron, but they're probably not. They're probably wrestling with some really difficult issues here. And Anthony, you've you've written on this. You've talked about it a lot. Like, how do we get things like people, strategy, and culture all aligned and on the same page after everything just got jumbled up? Like, this is really, really difficult. So I guess... For the younger group, the more junior group, the unseasoned group, I'm spending a lot of time trying to get them actually in a seat where they can kind of feel this, have some empathy for it, and realize, holy crap, this is really, really hard.
2: Yeah. And what I find interesting, as you you point out, the understanding and the perspectives and the perplexions of each of those groups is that they're entering into the workforce. These junior NBA MBAs who are going to know that they know everything are going to go into a room with a bunch of CEOs who know what they don't know, but also know a lot of stuff and their expectations. And I think that's the biggest thing. The empathy is the balance between expectations are going to be wildly different. And so the ones who haven't, been through recessions, who haven't been hiring people for 20, 30 years are going to say it should be a way, whereas the balance between reality and what is learned or what is expected, I think that's where that gap is hitting. The quiet quitting is because of what's been done versus what the expectation is. And no one's bridged the gap because that's the hard work that needs to be done. Thoughts on that? I don't have a lot
0: other than that. I really, really agree with that. That resonates with me. I think it's right. I think the only, you you have a lot of good stuff out there, Anthony, you, you talk about your podcast, your, your website, uh, your LinkedIn content that you're putting out there. The, the one critique of your work is that I have, and, and get ready, here comes the professor in me, gonna, gonna kill you on something, is that you sometimes slip into this word, like here's some strategic things you can do that are quite easy to implement. Mm. Yeah, I I would say the only thing I would change is like you are giving us really simple and powerful frameworks. They're not always easy. Uh, Maybe sometimes they are. Maybe you've cracked the code. But uh, I do not like to confuse simplicity with easy. And so, yeah, like what you're saying is true. We can know it's true. But now what do we do? We have the guts, the fortitude to put ourselves out there. Now that is kind of tricky and hard.
2: Yeah. The action itself. And I was talking to my team about this. So basically marketing team, don't use the word easy. If I'm writing the word easy, I get the distinction between the two. It's not, it's simple, but it's not easy Yeah, in the sense that it's not complex. We know, I know that if I want to be healthy, I go to the gym, I work out and I eat healthy. I know the steps. But am I taking the actions to get the result? And one of the things I talk about is does it hurt bad enough? If it doesn't hurt bad enough, you're not going to change. And the quiet quitting or loud quitting is the thing that's starting to hurt CEOs and get them on their knees to say, "Okay, I thought I could get through it. Now I can't. The hard part of it is admitting that you don't know what you that there's a problem. That you haven't solved it and the courage, which is being vulnerable. And that's the soft stuff to talk through, work with your leadership team and say, Hey, how can we bridge that gap together? Because neither of you can do it on your own. Yeah,
0: that's it. Bingo.
2: Okay. Well, we solved it. That was easy, wasn't it? Yeah, um,
0: let's, let's, let's be done with uh, it. You're welcome, uh, listeners. Yeah,
2: absolutely. Well, it's, see, thank you, Brad. So let me, uh, let's try to take a simple, easy concept and, and, and take it uh, coaching basketball. Okay, yeah. junior folks, basketball. What would you say are the timeless lessons learned in basketball that can be applied to new managers, senior managers that would help them easily implement something that would help them move forward? By the way, just I'm half joking about the easy thing. I do appreciate the perspective that you brought to my work because that's how we improve. Yeah. And I, you did it in a tactful way. Sometimes people are trolls and that's not very nice. You did it very tactfully. So I do hear what you said there. <laughs>
0: Well, if it makes you feel better, I I use easy instead of simple all the time. And only through like six rounds of copy editing do I, do I correct myself, uh, often with help also. So you're you're fine, Anthony. Okay, so what do we learn from basketball? I, th- I think we learn a few things. Like one, it, it really helps to be athletic and good at basketball. Uh, so <laughs> like from an HR, I'm an HR guy and I study things like selection and statistical reliability and, and predictive validity. So yeah, intelligence, your horsepower really makes a difference. I suspect that's not gonna be the biggest needle mover on our conversation. Two, hard work is just the ticket to the dance. Like, you gotta you gotta figure out what you need to work on. You gotta work on the things you're not good at, and you gotta work on the things that really make a difference. And, and as simple as that sounds, as easy as that sounds, it's actually not. It's It's quite hard to have some prioritization, and to realize, I can't just glide through this thing. What else do we learn? I would, basketball. That is a critical team sport. You got to have everybody working together on the same page here, and and that means having some critical conversations. That means people are compromising, and that means people are laying themselves out there. And if you're a coach of a team where you've got people that are sacrificing all the time, that's great. You better make sure that your rewards, your recognition, and these sorts of things are all in place to keep those people taking the charges, diving out of bounds, all that stuff, feeding the rock to your star, keeping those people uh, kind of on board. So that's sort of my take at the, at the team level. And I guess we could break it down even more if we wanted to, but how about, how about you take this conversation in our next step and I'll follow. Hey, Anthony
2: here. One of the things I don't talk too much about on the podcast is what we do at SME Strategy. So I wanted to let you know that if you and your team are thinking about getting together you know, this winter or even in the new year for strategic planning, then we'd be happy to have a conversation to see how we might be able to help your team walk through the strategic planning process and make sure that your people, your strategy, your culture are on the same page. One of the most exciting parts about the work that we do is being able to lead people through a proven process to help them get to where they want to go. If you're interested about that process, our video about it on YouTube just hit over a million views. So be sure to check that out. Let us know what you think. Uh, But most importantly, I wanted to let you know that if you are looking for somebody to partner with your team to support everybody in getting aligned, Moving forward towards a clear set of goals and objectives and really making sure that you have the foundations for that next stage of growth that we can partner with you to do that. Whether that's through an off-site strategic planning session or you know follow-up support services to keep you accountable, to help your team grow and develop, or really to lead a full transformation. So if you're interested, check out smestrategy.net. You can check out our about page, our services page. It'll tell you more about how we do things. And I'd be happy to have a conversation with you to see if we're a good fit to help. Thanks so much. I appreciate you listening to the podcast. And now let's get back into the episode. Okay. Well, I I like it. I like teaching and metaphors. I find it's a way for people to get it. And, you know, you just can't have your point guard take it coast to coast on every play. It's not going to work. You need to make sure that everything moves and there's a flow around the team. And the other uh, metaphor that I used recently was if in the context of creating a strategic plan for 2025 and you're nine months into it, you're one quarter through the dance. There's a lot of ways that you can make adjustments coming out of here to react to quiet quitting or whatever the environment is around your people. So it's not, the game's not over. And it's about having that mentality, like hey, having a coach, being a coach to rally and say, okay, great. Like maybe we got our butts handed to ourselves in that first quarter in the past nine months. You know, what are we going to do to finish out the first half or the next, you know, three months? So what would you say to people who are rallying into that next kind of, nine months of work, what would you want them to think about? What would you want them to consider? What would you want them to reflect on?
0: Yeah. For, for leaders that have been going through whatever we're going through right now, like my first thing when I, when I do some coaching, is like, okay, let's take stock of what went well and what got you here. Like the whole point, my, one of my big things anyway, is like what got you here won't get you there, but you know, what got you here did get you here. And so let's take a moment to affirm ourselves uh you said something that that really struck that really rang true to me. Probably my my biggest hobby individually is running. It's a very solitary thing. But I I and I love collecting these old Nike vintage running posters. And one of them has this tagline and it's, it's still around. It's called There is No Finish Line. And that that's sort of that that's kind of where I try to push people. Like we're we're playing a really, really long game here. And for all the metaphors we can use from basketball or any other sport there are some differences. Like one, we, we don't really know when the game ends. We don't know when we're going to lose or when another big one is sports are quite easy. Cause you know who the enemy is. I think we're kind of walking around here asking like, what is this quiet quitting thing? What, why are people not engaged? Like, when is this great reset or resignation going to actually end, you know, is unemployment high or low? Like how do I interpret this data? You know? So To me, it's all about affirming that you are good enough. Two, like ratcheting back and saying, hey, you know what? We got to pace ourselves here. And then three, giving ourselves a mindset of we're really going to take time and we're going to learn. And this is where like, I think Andrew and I are on the same page. He's my co-author and and partner with People Leader Accelerator. Sometimes you got to slow down to go fast. And so you got to know your priorities. You got to have a plan. And you got to know your plan's probably wrong and it's not going to happen, but you got to have something that's guiding you so that you can actually learn from your actions. Otherwise, you're just throwing rocks out in the water.
2: You're not going to learn anything. Yeah, I get that. No, I think that's very astute and important to take that pause. So, Brad, imagine that we were at a party. And I said, Brad, tell me about the most obscure thing that you're super passionate about and that you would talk my ear off about it for a long time because it's such a passionate interest, but it's kind of unconventional for you. What would that be? Doesn't necessarily need to be unconventional, but I get the sense that you have a lot of you have a depth and breadth of knowledge that unless I ask you a really weird way to pull that stuff out, I might not get it. (laughs)
0: I don't know if I want to put this out into the world, but okay, we can do it. Um, So I like music. I like rock and roll music, but there is this not so small part of me that really, really likes 1990s, maybe even early 2000s grunge, if I'm acting tough and projecting, but really like alternative emo type music. And I I could talk to you about a lot of different bands, a lot of different things. But I do have a tie back to our conversation, besides just admitting I'm a soft emo guy. We're talking like ev- Evanescence, soft emo, or like even before that, like. No, like there's so there's this band. This is my guy. Um, this band is Jack's Mannequin is the name of the band. And so Andrew McMahon now has his own spinoff. But it, it's this stuff. It's maybe like early Foo Fighters, which probably more grunge. But there's this book out right now. It's it's very recent by Dan Ozzy called Sellouts. And one thing I've I've just recently gotten fascinated by is all these bands kind of at this time, we're talking now we're getting out of emo. We're going to like Green Day and these bands had to make really tough choices about whether we're going to stay true to our punk roots or are we going to try to do something a little bit different so we can scale our brand, scale ourselves and scale the impact of our music knowing that we are really going to isolate these people that re- that kind of had an affinity for us when we were just a small band and uh, we were kind of the, the voice of the misfits in the Bay Area. And so the book is called Sellouts. I'm about halfway through and I am loving this. Because I think we just, we make all sorts of attributions about, you know, they sold out their values, they sold this, and a lot of times it's really, it's not about the values. These people are still being true to who they think they are, but they've learned how to modify the behaviors on how those values um, manifest. And that, that's really, kind no matter what stage of leadership you're in, that's really the magic. Like, how do we figure out what we value? And then how do we decide which of the behaviors that reflect those values are negotiable and move forward in a way that's still true to ourselves, but allows us to be us, but more?
2: Yeah, I think that's a really great reflection for our leaders brought to you by Green Day & Co. Uh, but I do, I do remember I watched, I watched uh, a clip where they were saying like, well, we didn't sell out, Like, we are the product, some version of that, and saying, hey, what is the product that we're bringing to the table? And is there integrity to it? And can we be all things to all people as we move forward to that? I, yeah. I think another reflection for CEOs is what got you there won't get you there is that sometimes you don't need that same attribute because it, I, it doesn't serve you and it's not going to get you to that next place. And some people feel so bad about changing, but they forget how many people are at stake through yeah. their change. Like they've got thousands of employees saying, if you don't change, it's going to, you're only going to suffer a little, they're going to suffer a lot. And it's a, yeah. a, it's the burden of
0: of leadership really. That is one of the, that's a huge burden of leadership. Bingo. Good job.
2: Yeah. Well, you, you, you started it. Uh, and I think that's really cool because, you know, sometimes you don't learn a lot about everybody through a uh, regular questions. So that's cool. Yes. Yeah, so I was a big, uh, yeah. Offspring and green day. And, but you know, more grungy. Uh cool. Anything else you want to tell our listeners about uh strategy, leadership, people, data, contrarian principles, anything that is unpopular that you vehemently believe in?
0: Boy, that's an open-ended question. Uh, you know, I would just tell you if you're if you're on a leadership journey, try not to get distracted by all the bright shiny objects out there. And you know, I'm guilty. Like I I've I've written two leadership books. I think they're grounded in academic research, but I'm sure we took liberties that sounded good but you know may not be that useful in some places. But there is just a lot of like really entertaining junk out there. Leadership is a social process of influence. You don't need like an Eisenhower quote, you don't need something from Ben Franklin, you don't need all this stuff. It's a social process of influence and to really understand that, you've got to figure out like what matters to you. And then what can you do that matters to other people and then bridge those two things um, in a way that allows you to get people to do something that they otherwise weren't going to do. The best book I found so far uh, that really just says, I'm going to cut through the noise. I'm going to talk about leadership is the work by Jeff Pfeffer. So he's got a book called Leadership BS. He has a new one out, the seven something about leadership or something, but he's a big guy on power and people don't, they're uncomfortable with power. Mm. So... And when I teach leadership, I try to make my students uncomfortable and say, like, let's let's get rid of all the fluff and let's just get down to social process of influence. So spend your time there. Chew on that. And I think you can probably get further in maybe a couple hours than you could read in four or five of those books you buy at the airport.
2: Well, not including yours, I'm sure. So where can people get your newest book? Where can they connect with you? Where can they learn more about uh, what you do? And if they're in the Paris region, uh, take you out for a a little coffee.
0: Yeah, and
2: literally a little coffee, (laughs) Um,
0: which I'm getting used to. Uh, So the book is Scaling for Success. You can get it on Amazon. You can buy it through the publisher, which is Columbia University. People Leader Accelerator is for HR executives in the high growth space. So it's peopleleaderaccelerator.com. Uh, just find me on LinkedIn. I do coaching. I do some consulting work, but, but not a whole lot. My thing is teaching at the university. So I'm not trying to hawk anything. But if there's a reasonable ask uh, where it makes sense for us to connect and I can help you or, or at least listen to your ideas, I am so willing to try to help. I learn a ton from these conversations. I screw up. These connections are enriching. So LinkedIn, Brad Harris. Awesome. Awesome. Brad, it's been a pleasure.
2: Thanks for the time today. Thank you. Folks, my guest today, Brad Harris, making the world better, a tiny coffee at a time. But really, Brad, I really appreciate what you shared about leadership, about people development, about going through it. It's it's not easy and, and having the empathy looking inside and out at what you can do. And just moving forward in in those ways, I think is going to be critical for all of us and say, Hey, it is, it is a journey. So, you know, put up whatever inspirational poster you need. I've got a picture of Scott Hall, the wrestler. He's my uh, inspiration uh, to move forward. And so, you know, for everybody, inspiration is found in a lot of different places. And I, I think for all of us, and especially the leaders to get through it, You got to manufacture your own enthusiasm to get through these challenges because it's just going to keep continuing. So Brad, again, thank you on a personal level. It's been such a pleasure, super enjoyable, and I really hope people uh, take you up on on connecting and having a conversation because I'm better for it as well. Folks, this has been the Strategy and Leadership Podcast. My guest today, Brad Harris, PhD. Check him out, connect with him, learn more about what he does. And of course, if you haven't, be sure to subscribe to the Strategy and Leadership Podcast. My name is Anthony Taylor. See you next time.
1: Thanks for listening to today's episode of the Strategy and Leadership Podcast. If you haven't yet, be sure to subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. We post twice a week, so you can count on us for your weekly source of content to help you grow and expand as a leader. And if you enjoyed today's episode, please consider giving us a review. We read every single one, and it helps us make a better show for you, the listener. Also, it helps more people find the show, which means we can help as many people as possible. We appreciate you listening and following along, and we hope you have a wonderful rest of the day. And as Anthony says, until next time.